When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome into Purple Daily. It is a beautiful Wednesday here, and we are just two days away from not only the first preseason game of the year, but the first preseason vent line ever, which will be on our station after the game. And I know that Judd Zelgad, he's tearing up right now. He cannot control his emotions. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a, it is a beautiful time in our lives that we will have an actual football game for the first time since, what was it, December 31st? Yeah, whatever the, uh, that godforsaken Bears uh, day was, that was the last time that we saw a football game together, and it was not pretty. I can't imagine being one of the players on the team and knowing when you walk off the field at that point that the next time you're going to get a chance to redeem yourself is not for nine months later until September 8th, uh, and the next time you're even going to get on a field is in August. So, yes, the, it's back. We will talk uh, a lot about what we're looking to see in the first preseason game on Friday especially and I think Judd I want to announce I said yesterday I was going to announce a special guest that is coming on on Thursday I think I'll do that right here off the top of the show we're going to have Alex Boone in for an hour former Vikings guard and I think if you just went what Alex Boone because you remember him from telling the crowd to shut up uh, or you remember him from saying Green Bay will win the Super Bowl over his dead bleeping body, I think you will really want to listen to Alex Boone talk football because when he was in the locker room and uh, uh, with the Vikings and I had a chance to cover him, I think there's a much more analytical side of Alex Boone that um, you don't always see the quotes come out on TV or you don't always see them tweeted. So we're going to break down running games Judd, we're going to break down blocking systems. He even said he will comment on fullback neck rolls and whether he loves them or not. I just like the quote, so that's fine. <laughs> Shut the bleep up to the crowd was, I, I know that, that rubbed a lot of people uh, internally in that locker room the wrong way, but it was pretty funny. That it, Yes, it was. He had some memorable ones, but I, uh, I would suggest that you listen right. to Alex Boone talk some football ask, on Thursday. Do me one favor and ask him not only about neck rolls, but the backboard as well, okay? Yes. The neck oh, board the as well. backboard, yes. I think it's, uh, it's got to come back. It's, it's underrated for sure. Um, okay, so, Judd, what I want to do today, because uh, the Vikings are practicing in shells and shorts, uh, I know, I know. So we that's so unfootball. We're, we're not going to get a whole lot of more information out of uh, practice today. So I think we can have a little fun here, and then we've got some other things to talk about with the preseason game and something that's going on with running backs that might ultimately impact the Minnesota Vikings. But I want to play a little over/under game with the preseason for a couple with the regular season. If you want to, I want to go back and forth Uh and shoot over unders at each other and see where we can get with this conversation, because we're at sort of one of those times where we're just sitting here waiting. So let me kick this off Judd with the over under for the preseason over under number of passes that Kirk cousins throws in the preseason. The over under is 17.5 would you take 
more Kirk Cousins passes in the preseason or fewer than 17.5? Four preseason games. Um, Zim pretty much plays this by the old school book, which means Cousins will play probably a series on Friday. But by game three, he'll play the entire first half and maybe into the third quarter a little bit. I'm going to take the over. Okay. Because I think he'll reach that probably in game three and then won't play in game four. Now, here's, 17 and a half. Oh. So here's my question for you, the follow-up. It's like I asked you that question to ask you this question, Zolgad. Um, should they play Kirk Cousins that much? Should he be throwing 20, 30, 40 passes? I, I mean, I pick 17 and a half because I think he's probably playing one series, one or two series. Yep. I think they're going to hand off, throw a couple of balls, and maybe he averages... I don't know, five, six passes a game. But but you're right. Maybe he throws a few more in the first half of the third game. So maybe that was a little low. But where we are in the year 2019, yep. we have seen Case Keenum not play with the first team at all during training camp and preseason and come out and lead a 13-3 and NFC Championship season. We have seen Sam Bradford show up out of absolutely nowhere from Philadelphia with no camp experience, no preseason experience with the Vikings, and beat Green Bay in his first start. Like, Should we still be running out the starting quarterback when the backup means you're going 5-11 and or 4-12 and if he gets hurt? Should we? Um, I, I think that's a debate that you could certainly have in 2019 and say that he shouldn't uh, play much. I believe it was last year that I wrote that with the offensive line banged up going into that first preseason game, I think it was in Denver, that Cousins shouldn't play. Why chance it? But I think there's a difference between the conversation of should we and and peace of mind for Zim and Gary, right? And peace of mind is going to be that this is a new offense being installed and Cousins needs reps. And I don't. And what's funny about this is you, you could say, well, Judd, but they're not really going to run the plays or, or they're not going to run a lot of the scheme because – they want to hold that for uh, week one against the Falcons. So personally, I'd play um, personally the third preseason game to me uh, has gotten to be, you know, this, he's got to play the first half. No, he doesn't. But with the way this team operates, and Mike has always basically been Mike from a preseason perspective. I, I don't think since he got here in 2014, Matthew, he's altered things a lot. So in his mind and in Gary's mind, I, I think they're going to stick to the old standby of how the starting quarterback plays in the preseason. Personally, I probably would not. No, because one, I don't want the guy hurt. Two, I don't want the guy being hit. And three, you're right. If Sean Mannion has to play, your season's over. Right. Your season's completely done. But I think that Zimmer is very comfortable with the old school philosophy of how preseason works. And for the most part, everybody does some version of this where they play the starters the most in the third preseason game. And for the most part, the starting quarterbacks and starting players don't get hurt. They don't get lost for the season. There will be one or two players per year who are relatively important to their team or one quarterback per year who gets hurt. And uh, that would be reason enough for me to say, don't even bother. You've been practicing 11-on-11s, and this isn't going to be any better for you. Actually, 11-on-11s, like yesterday, they were doing situations. So they put a minute 37 left, one timeout. Love time Time for Kirk. That's just football as a guess. Right, the pressure is on, yeah. and the defense stepped up yesterday, and everybody celebrated and was happy. So uh, anyway. anyway Gary wasn't um, happy. Gary was not happy. Gary couldn't have been happy if the defense stepped up. Kirk was not happy. Nobody was super happy on the offensive side. Uh, Thielen and Diggs and Kirk stood off to the side, had a little, uh, I don't know, conversation. Pity party? Um, I, I would not two, call it a pity party. Do we go back to the party. 2018 pity party? I would not call it a pity party. Um, Kirk did call it that once last year, but I would not call it that. Right. But they got together on... You know, the side and everything else. So they were upset about how it went. But when you're doing that type of drill on a daily basis against the defense who's actually trying to stop you, who's putting in their real defensive stuff, yep. I think that's way better than playing the Saints in their base package, two deep safeties. And you're not trying to show anything. Right, they're not blitzing. Nobody's showing anything. Exactly. What, what does this do for Kirk Cousins aside from just put him on a field? But the man has played now four straight years as a regular starter. I mean, they're always going to do this, I'm sure. Just put out the starter and everything else. But for me, I would not be doing that. Right. I, I, I would just say, all right, well, it's Mannion and it's Sloter and it's Browning and these guys are going to run the whole preseason for us. 
All right. Forget passes. I have a preseason snap over under for you, Matthew Collard. Okay. It's going to be a, a daily double, a combo as well. Wow. Over under on snaps for Dalvin Cook and Kyle Rudolph in the four preseason games, and I'm going to put it at five. Okay. Five total. Yeah. Rudolph and Cook, do they go over or under five snaps? I'm going to say they go over, but not by a whole lot. Um, you, you don't mean combined. You mean each... No, I mean combined. Oh, combined. Combined, because okay. I think there's a fight and chain. I don't know how much Dalvin Cook's going to be used at yeah. all. I, I do think that they're uh, rightfully concerned about playing Dalvin Cook in the preseason, but my guess would be that he does see some time, that he does see maybe 25 snaps, maybe 30 snaps. I don't know for Kyle Rudolph. Really? He, he was practicing yesterday, so I think he, it's possible he plays in this game. It's possible he plays in, in the second one. I, I would bet against him playing in the first one. But in the third one, I think they're going to pretend like it's a real game to start out, and they're going to give him the, the football a few times. He's going to get a few carries, and I'm going to say that they both end up with, I'm going to say, between 15 and 20 snaps each in the preseason. So you think that Dalvin Cook gets 20 to 25 preseason snaps on the field, huh? Well, he hasn't had any issues at all. He's taken almost all the first-team reps. Bubble wrapping, baby. He's, I mean, it's not, that's the thing. is like It's not like the guy is really fragile or anything. He had an ACL injury that's tough to come back from that almost always goes along with a hamstring unless you're Adrian Peterson because Adrian Peterson is just a Greek god and there's something different that built his body than normal people but a lot of times when guys come back from the ACLs they have hamstrings right after that the 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 following season I think um didn't that happen maybe I'm misremembering uh to Darrell Revis I thought that that happened to him it was sort of that sounds right like he had the the big ACL tear and then after that another injury um so it it takes a while but with Delvin Cook he's been uh, dinged up throughout his career with Florida State and everything else. So I could see why you wouldn't want to use him a ton in the preseason or use anyone in the preseason. But I think he will get some touches, some carries, some looks at pass protection and everything else. Um, the, the, really, what I'm interested in, though, Judd, is how much he's going to play in terms of his snap counts when we get to the regular season. And unless you have any other preseason over-unders, we can do a couple regular season ones because I think 350 touches is an interesting number for Delvin Cook. On this question first, because I, I think it goes over, but I only think it's slightly. I think Kyle probably plays very little in the preseason here because he's worked with Kirk before. Kirk knows him. I don't think that there's a whole whole lot of getting used to each other that has to occur there. In the scheme, perhaps... Uh, but I think that these guys are going to bubble wrap Dalvin Cook. I think he's going to play. I think he's go- if he plays, it's going to be barely. Somebody convinced Zim a long time ago, running backs don't need to play, and that might be right, it might be wrong, but I think combined they get about 12, hmm. 12 snaps. Well, you know, with Rudolph, the interesting point there to me is that they know how valuable he's going to be to this offense. This offense always points toward the tight ends with Gary Kubiak going all the way back to the Denver days. And from what I've seen of Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin, Conklin has looked really good, and Irv Smith looks like he's coming along. But if you were going to ask Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith at any point to handle the entire load Mm -hmm. for an offense that relies a lot on the tight end, that is going to be trouble. That's not something you want. So if Kyle Rudolph has a hangnail, you sit him out the preseason game. You just don't need this. I don't think you need it for Stephon Diggs. I don't think you need it for Adam Thielen. You could see Stephon Diggs, because of the way he competes, going up into double coverage, into traffic in the middle of the field and trying to make a play and getting laid out. Remember, he got popped last year by uh, K.J. Wright was the the linebacker. I'm with you. And four games is as we've talked about a thousand times, is ridiculous. Yeah, it is. So regular season over-under touches for Delvin Cook along the same lines as this. Now, he had 173 in 11 games last year, and Mike Zimmer was not happy about that. And some of those were pitch count games. Yeah. So he w- I think he played against Los Angeles, but he only was out there for maybe 10 snaps. If he were to play 16 healthy football games, I'm putting it at 350 as the over-under for touches 
for Delvin Cook. That's not just handoffs. That's handoffs and throws that go in his direction. 350? 350. Ooh, that's, that's good. That's very fair, probably. I will say I'm going to go along the lines of things go exactly according to plan and say over. Over, probably not by a lot, but he's going to be, if, if things go as they should and Cousins plays as well as expected, and I guess just as importantly, things work out around Cousins like they should, Dalvin Cook's going to be absolutely instrumental. He's going to be key uh, to this offense. So I think 350 is fair, but if he plays all 16 games again, too, and that's a big but there, yep, Colin. Yep, it is. But if he plays all 16 games, remains healthy, and is as influential in this offense as the Vikings would like him to be, I'm going over. Uh, so in 2017, when the offense was very much surrounded around him over his four games, he was really good in the first game against New Orleans, got over 100 yards, and then they used him a ton in the, in the subsequent games with uh, Case Keenum starting until he got hurt. He had 85 touches in four games, which works out to 340. But remember, he tore his ACL in one of the games against Detroit, yep. so he didn't even play that entire game. So if you're projecting out the same usage from 2017 under a similar running system, under a similar play-action, works-off-of-the-zone-system type of thought process and trying to get into second and short, third and short, and then scheme your way to a couple of yards for first downs then I think it's going to be very similar, and I would also go over. I think they're going to give him the ball absolutely as much as he can handle. Now the question would be if they're going to use some of these other guys for, for different roles because that matters to us in the preseason. It won't matter to us, I don't think, much in the regular season aside from is Amir Abdullah going to come in now and then and motion out to be a wide receiver? He's been doing that in practice. That's kind of interesting. He can run routes. He kind of reminds me just of his look of like a less beefed up Jarek McKinnon. He's kind of shorter, but he's real quick. And sure. He's kind of the one cut, and he can run routes and stuff. So McKinnon used to be able and to do that And you loved him, McKinnon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I You're thought, a big fan of McKinnon. I actually thought they underused Jarek McKinnon yeah. here, and they used him a lot. But he was along the lines of Cordero Patterson where I thought, this guy could play wide receiver. He could play running back. You should be using him on jet sweeps and stuff like that. Like the way that uh, Tariq Cohen was used by the Bears. I always thought Jarek McKinnon should have been used that way by the Vikings. But, you know, I, and we, we didn't get to see it happen with San Francisco because he got hurt. He had the ACL, so we didn't get to see someone else use him the sure. way we did with uh, Patterson. But Alexander Madison, how much of a role is he going to have? Mike Boone, does he make the team? Does he win some sort of role for himself? Those backup running backs each have kind of a unique talent, um, and you could work those guys in if you wanted to. If you were really concerned of the workload with Delvin Cook, which I'm not sure they are and I'm not sure they should be. That, that's what I was going to say. Once the season starts, though, you can't be, right? No. No. And, and at that position now, don't, don't you have to basically, if you're the team, be selfish about it and not think about the player long term and yep. get exactly during the course of that first contract what you can? Yep. Like if he can play and he, he's out there to me, he makes a huge difference. And I don't think that you could be thinking to yourself, yeah, but in uh, two years, if we, if we give him 300 plus, you know, plus carries, it's going to, or uh, touches, it's going to cost us. I think the team in that case has to be selfish, and he does bring a skill set that nobody else can bring right now, right? Yep, yep, that's correct. Um, and and we'll talk about this a little bit next segment with running backs, but um, this idea that running backs are easily replaced is probably true. But then when you see Delvin Cook with the football versus somebody else, you go, okay, but... But if you've got that guy, that's a difference maker. Correct. When it comes to explosive plays, when it comes to breaking tackles, when it comes to making something out of nothing, yes. nothing this guy is going to give you a way better chance than Matt Asiata did or something, right? So, And they're, they're not like wine. You, you don't put them on the shelf and savor them. Right. You just drink them. Yep. And then when they're gone, they're gone, and it was a great buzz. That's right. That's right. You um, you just put the pedal to the metal with running backs, and if you have to run them through the wall and Can they I draw wear out, a parallel then... quickly for you. Sure. How about this one? Running backs, relief pitchers. Oh yeah, 
Yep. I'm absolutely. not big on, man, in three years, this guy's going to be a great... You're like, no, this guy, we can bring him in all the time. We can throw him, and you know what? Eventually, he's just going to break down. Well, and at this point, too, where the Vikings are in their trajectory, you just can't be safe with anybody, right? I mean, you just have to True. be as aggressive as you could possibly be because you don't know how many more years you're going to have a chance to have an elite defense and be a Super Bowl-caliber team. And so any chance you have, you should be going all in with it instead of saying, I mean, if this was a team that was going to go 3-13 and 13 but had an insanely talented running back, I'd say, let's just get the guy 200 carries or whatever, mix it in the backfield. That's not. It's a team that's going to try to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So go try to win it. And you know what? If Delvin's career only goes five years, sorry, Delvin. I mean, there's just you have to be that way. I think you have to take that approach. Um, let's take a break, Judd, right. and we'll come back. And uh, you wanted to talk a little bit more about what's going on with some running backs around the league I'm and torn. how that might pertain to Delvin Cook. Let us discuss. Phil Mackey will be in a little later. We'll play some more over-unders with him here on the show. If you uh, missed any so far or any this week of our camp coverage, make sure you download the show on iTunes. It is very much free still, Judd. I, Rami keeps saying for I a know. limited time, but it's not. It's Your just, content. It's always free. Zolgad content. All of it free. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Check out Minnesota Sports Rewind, where Score North goes back in time and dives deep into some of the most prominent moments in Minnesota sports history, including Twins and Tigers Game 163, Twins and A's from the 2002 ALDS, Kevin Love's 30-30 and game, and Kevin Garnett's dominating Game 7 against Sacramento. Again, that's called Minnesota Sports Rewind on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. Back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad in for the hour. If you want, you could tweet us any over-unders that you have, and I'll get back to you with an answer if you want, at Matthew Collar or at Score North. Um, over-unders always fun. It's just not an exciting day out at training camp. There's no big news from yesterday. My article on scorenorth.com, I'm not saying don't read it, Judd. I'm just saying that it's not like going to light your face on fire uh, with excitement to hear that the offensive line has gelled pretty well because of continuity. Yep. I mean, it's good. Like well, That's what you want to hear. But why, you under, why did you undersell it then? I, I mean, I guess there are probably some football people, people who are like, go, all right, continuity. Scorenorth.com. Yeah, and if it's good news about the offensive line, people should be very Vikings fans ecstatic about that. It is. I mean, it, it is good news so far about the offensive line. Brian O'Neill was dinged up a little bit with a right elbow thing, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be serious at all. And even Aviant Collins, who had to be carted off, um, it doesn't sound like he's going to be out a long time either. And you even feel better about the depth of the Vikings offensive line. If a couple of guys had to go in here, there, Dakota Dozier has played quite a bit before in the league. They've got some great Brett names. Jones has. Oh, Dakota Dozier is they've an got awesome some, name. They've got like, I don't think I'm exaggerating here, Matthew Collar. They've got like five great names in training camp right now. Oh, sure, yeah. Dakota Dozier's great. What is it, Storm Norton? Storm Norton, Kari Blasting game, yeah, is definitely a good one. I mean, C.J. Ham will always be an elite name, even though That's he's, he's on too. the team. But yes, like if I said, for sure, if I said and didn't tell you position, C.J. Ham, you'd be like fullback. Fullback. The Neck only ball. other, the only other thing you'd come up with would be run stuffing uh, offensive or defensive uh, linebacker. Okay. I guess okay. it would be yeah. All right. If he was a run stuffing linebacker, all right. Well, maybe the three technique, but. I'd say nose. If it's C.J. Ham, he could be a nose. That's what I was kind of thinking sure, at first. because he's got to be burly. Yeah. And he's yeah. burly. He's just a fullback. But I think run-stuffing linebacker probably even more than nose tackle for C.J. Ham if he ever <laughs> decides to change positions. Um, okay, Judd, so you said you had something on your mind about running backs that pertains to Delvin Cook. Tell me what that is. Yes, and, and it involves the uh, the current holdouts of uh, Mel- Melvin Gordon of the Chargers, of course, and Zeke Elliott of the Cowboys. And I'm, I, I don't know if this is a uh, crisis of my confidence in my football knowledge or what, but I'm going to lay out how I feel, and then you're, you're going to tell me how I should feel about okay. this. Okay. All right. I have for a long time said 
running back is one of the most disposable positions to me in football. I can you can find them. You can you can go out. You can get them in the fifth round. Doesn't mean they're always going to be great, but I can swap them out. And, and I do believe that the trend in this league has gone in that direction. But guys like Zeke and Gordon. And a guy like Dalvin Cook, Matthew, are obviously incredibly valuable because of what they bring, not just from a give me the football and I'll run, but they can catch the ball. The best ones can also uh, pass protect, which is very hard to do. Now, with what Zeke and Gordon are doing, I like it based on this. I, I don't think that these guys as a union are ever going to have the ability or the guts to strike. And football players get screwed. They just get screwed. Yep. It's not guaranteed money. Everybody else has it. I, I get that their uh, complaints every time a big NBA contract is signed is sort of dumb because that's what a twelve man roster or something like that. These are fifty three man, so they're never they're never going to get like Kawhi like or LeBron like deals. Completely get that. But where I'm torn here is I'm the guy that says the running back position can be replaced and, and is among the most disposable in football. But then I look at a guy like Zeke or Gordon or Dalvin and say, okay, I totally get what you're doing and I like it because the only way that you can really strike in this league is to do it as an independent contractor and try and hurt your team so much, in this case the Chargers or Cowboys, that they come and say, you know what, we have to have you, we'll pay you. So talk me through this because on one hand I'm saying they play a position that's not that important and on the other I'm also saying that they can be important enough that they're trying to cost their teams mm -hmm. and by the way, I'm not blaming them for that. I think that's what you have to do. Oh, yeah, you have to play hardball. I mean, uh, Antonio Brown is a good example of having it work. Michael Thomas didn't show up for camp right away, and then he got his deal almost immediately. And if you basically don't pressure the team in some way or another, you won't get what you want. It's really that simple. I mean, that's kind of negotiating in any business. A lot of times we look at, players who hold out or look for more money and we go oh man look at this selfish diva and everything else but if i walked up to you and said all right time to negotiate your contract judd you'd be like okay i want more money <laughs> right i mean which one of us would not want to be paid uh what we think we're worth at, at any given job that we have so i don't blame them at all for doing this but the running backs are in the toughest negotiating position because of how many good ones there are and with the chart and Melvin Gordon, it's a great example because you look at his backup running back and I've never even heard of the guy. He averaged more yards per carry than Melvin Gordon or just about the same. I, I think that we are going to eventually figure out how to categorize running backs a little bit differently. And this goes a, a little bit outside of what you're talking about, but just in terms of who is actually valuable and who isn't. Because I've, I've never liked anything in sports that we say doesn't matter. Like baseball people, for a little while, they would say, you know, batting average doesn't matter. Okay, well then, if it doesn't matter, I'll take the guy who hits 330. You can have the guy who hits 220. We'll see how we play out, right? Like, it always it would annoy me. Like, I get what you're saying, but that's not what it really is. And running back talent absolutely matters. If you want to have Mike Boone and I get Delvin Cook, I'm going to win more than you are because my guy's just better than your guy. And so there's running backs who are huge contributors in the receiving game. There are running backs who go down the field in the passing game. There are ones who pass protect, which is hugely valuable. And there are ones who are just completely bad and couldn't find a hole if you push them down in it, right? So, um, you know, I think we have gotten to a point where it's very tricky to figure all these things out of, of what guys exactly are worth to an offense and what could be replaced. And then the other part of it, Judd, is the longevity. And I, I think if you were telling me that I get four years of Delvin Cook or anybody else, I'll take Delvin Cook because he's skilled. If you're telling me Delvin Cook age 27 through 31, no thank you. I'm sorry, it's just it's very likely that he won't be this good anymore. Right. So all these things, I think, play in as factors to why the players believe they're hugely valuable. When you get 350 touches and you run a 1,000 offensive plays, you're like, wait a minute, I'm the whole offense, pay me more money. But then when you look at it from a front office perspective, there's just so many factors that you have to figure out, and the likelihood is that every single one of these elite guys will fall off. 
Do, do we almost need to, and I think you alluded to this at the start of what you were saying, do we almost need to start also, especially at this position based on what guys do to change the name of the position? Because I do believe if I hand you the football and you're elite, but you really can't uh, pass protect very well, you can catch a little bit, <clears throat> Adrian Peterson, um, <laughs> that, you, that your value is you're a nice player, but I can replace you tomorrow. Like I can find somebody. But when you're talking about a guy who potentially can do, if Cook can play an entire season, he can pick up blitzes, which is incredibly important. Yes. He can catch the ball. Hell, I can line him up at receiver and he's actually a threat, not a decoy. He can run the ball. Do we need to rethink how we name that position? Because these multi-tiered threats can do a lot of things. But if I just give you a guy who can take the ball and hit the hole and that's his one talent, to me, that guy, okay, he's a nice player, I'll take him. But I'm not going to put a premium on paying that guy as much as I would a multi-tiered guy. Yes, I think that there should be some sort of differentiation when you look at a snap count for somebody and where they lined up on any given play. And I'll try to pull this up right now with Alvin Kamara because he's a good example. When you look at snaps by position for Alvin Kamara, now uh, he's mostly taking them in the backfield, but there are games where he's got 27 snaps in the backfield, 9 as a slot wide receiver, Two is an outside wide receiver. So 27 are in the backfield. 11 are out as a wide receiver. Well, what, what is this guy, right? I right. mean, is he he's really. Not a, he's not a running back as you and I think of a running back. Exactly. He's a pure playmaker. So um, they're just trying to get him the ball in any way they possibly can for him to make plays. And then when a guy averages 10 yards a catch, which is a receiver number, how can you really say he's just a replaceable running back if he can do something special like that? Um, but there are so many shades of this of like, okay, so how much does an offense set up for a running back to succeed? I mean, how much is it the screen passes, the swing passes? We saw this with um, Kansas City. I'm not even convinced Kareem Hunt is special because everyone in the backfield of Kansas City was awesome. I mean, they would throw these little uh, misdirection screens and sure. things like that, delay passes, and then you get 15, 20 yards if you can run straight. It's still a talent, though. It, it, no, it, it is, but... That's when, a talent, because we, we both seen guys out of the backfield who can catch the ball, but they can't really catch the ball. Yeah. And that's hard to watch. But the question is, how much does scheme impact sure. what you're receiving even is? So we can't just look at a guy and go, well, he had 70 catches. All right, well, if they were throwing him screen passes, almost anybody could have caught those and run for seven more yards because those are schemes. You know what I think it is? I think you, you hit it with the, uh, with the Kamara comparison. I think it's where you line up. Yeah. Because yep. if you're coming out of the backfield and I swing you the ball and you catch it, that's basically a a running play masquerading as a passing play, yes, right? Yes, agree. Yep. But if I line you up outside at receiver and then in the slot, you're being asked to do a skill set that is very different from get behind the quarterback and take the ball or catch the ball. Yep, and, and there's another point here to be made, too, is that there are some running backs, and Delvin Cook is absolutely one of them. The last two years are evidence, but especially last year who can make an offensive line better. Now, if you have, and this is the tough one with Ezekiel Elliott, I think Ezekiel Elliott can make his offensive line better. But how much, it's hard to say, because through his career he's had really good players in front of him. When they were dinged up last year, he was still good. So maybe it's when he has a great offensive line, he's really great. And when uh, it's bad, he can still make up for them. Delvin Cook was one of the tops in the league in yards after contact. So he was getting hit in the backfield a lot and just shredding guys and making big plays off of it. And when you look at somebody like uh, Nick Chubb from Cleveland, same deal. He was averaging 4.4 yards after contact. So a lot of times they're blowing through the line and he's shrugging them off and he's making plays after that. I think that that is worth quite a bit. If right. if you're the guy who can break tackles and you have an average offensive line, but you can make them look great, right. then you are worth way more. But that's where I'm also all for these guys holding out potentially because they're going to be cooked in two years, right? Yep. So you've got to get your money. That that's that's what I think a strike in this league has become now is you say to yourself, bleep this, I've got to get paid, and I'm not going to get paid till after the fact, and then teams are probably rightfully so going to say, yeah, but Nick Chubb, you are, look, you're all banged up. Yep. You're, you're uh, you know, your knees are shot or something like that. So that's where this, to me, takes an interesting turn, and these guys that can be multidimensional players actually have probably the right idea by not showing up until they get restructured contracts, because by the time they hit that secondary contract, I mean, you, Delvin Cook, 
By the time Dal- if Dalvin Cook has the year that he should have, he's going to be phenomenal. And Matthew, by the time he th- he hits that next contract, the Vikings are probably going to have every right to say, "Yeah, man, you you were great for us, but we can't pay you for past performances." Yeah, and that's what's really that's hard. That's the conundrum. I want to see here how old he actually is, and he carried the ball a ton when it came to Florida State. He was, I think, their all-time leading rusher, so he was touching the ball all the time. A lot of miles on the body already. He is going to turn in several days, August 10th, 24 years old. Okay. Let's say he has the year that he could... Well, let's just say this. How about this? Even we'll play a conservative. He has played in his career 15 games. So let's say he gets 14 starts, 15 games this year. There's a little Nixon cuts. He misses one game. Everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. So this is his career so far in basically one season's worth of work. 969 yards rushing, 4.7 yards per attempt, 51 receptions, and six touchdowns. So that's a conservative year of of being a really good all-around player, 258 touches. So it would do the under from what we were talking about, and around 1,400 yards from scrimmage. Let's say he did all of that Mm -hmm. just this year, what his combined stats from 2017 and 18 are. Mm -hmm. Are you then going to him and saying, let's sign this contract extension? Let's Because he was a second-round pick, so this is year three. Next year is going to be the last year of his deal. That's when he's going to want the contract extension. So you're talking about he's 24. Next August 10th, he'll be 25. Do you want to go age 25 to 29 with big dollars with the guy? Nope. That's, That's even, as great. Yeah, but, as but great as he him, is, the answer is no. But if, I, but if I'm him, I don't blame him for saying, pay me. Pay right. me yeah. now. Yep. I'm not going to wait. You know, what a, you know what a trick would be with this? Would be to sign a guy... And I, and I know that the cap becomes a problem here. Sign him to a two-year deal with a ton of guaranteed cash. Like, ton of cash up front, ton of guaranteed cash. And I think the Vikings do a good job of this with a lot of different positions. But if you were going to tell me Delvin Cook from age 26 to 27, just 26, 27, after, let's say, he's had a couple of really good years... Okay, all right, I'm much more willing to do that because running backs fall off the cliff after 28. So, all right, okay, let's do that. And here's a ton of cash. It's all guaranteed. You get it, uh, whether you're hurt or not. Here you go. But we're not signing a long-term deal that's going to take us till five years. But even then, Judd, even then I would still be super concerned about going into age 26, 27. So the final year of his contract, because he was not a first-round pick and doesn't have that fifth-year option, correct? Yep. The final year's contract will be 2020. Next year at 1.3 million dollars base. All right. What I'm saying is, if I'm the Cook camp though, and I have the year that's expected of me, and you're, you're holding I out next healthy, year, right? I'm not coming to camp next yeah. year unless yeah. you give me the contract I want. Yep. I'm not waiting till 2021. Yep. At, at which point you're going to lowball me. Tell me, hey, yeah, sorry about that, but yep. uh, you may look because what the Vikings and what teams say is. Yeah, you were really good, but look at your workload. Yeah. To which you say, but you caused that workload. So if I'm Delvin Cook and and I play, to your storyline, 15 games, 14 starts, I'm super effective, I catch the ball, I run the ball, I pick up all the pass protection, I protect Kirk, I'm not showing up to training camp next year unless I get that extension. Now, I this is where I'm torn. Because I'm also the guy saying, well, then that's fine, you're gone. I think this scenario is likely... It's likely that he has a really good year and then decides that he's going to follow the same path as Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott. And what the Vikings have done, though, and they showed us this with Anthony Barr, is if they like somebody enough, especially Mike Zimmer, they will find a way to make it happen. They have not really played hardball with anybody. Offense, though. It is offense, of, but he loves off- Cook. He Cook is the exception to the offense okay. rule. He loves but, Delvin Cook. But I think if you are, if if all goes well, for the Vikings and a Mike, Rick Spielman, and Brzezinski are all back. I think Rick and Rob are going to tell him, Mike, this makes no sense. Yeah. And and I do think that someone's going to say, and we paid Barr as well. Right. Like, we got Barr right. back here, okay? Right. But the Dalvin Cook thing to me, I'm really torn here. I'm really torn because, because he, he can do multiple things. If he can play, he can be absolutely an impact player and outstanding. But yet I'm the guy who continues to sit sit here and say, yeah, well, worst case, I can go find you a running back. Yeah, and I think I would say, 
that if he decided to hold out, I'd say thanks for playing, and I'm glad we got a good year out of you last year, and overall you were a successful second-round pick, and good luck to you because we're just, we're just not doing it. That you're gonna, in my mind, I'm just not paying a guy who's going to be 26, 27, 28 huge dollars for a position where think about where you got Delvin Cook. We always think, oh, well, you can't replace this guy because he's got this, the, that, and the other thing. Sure. But I'm going to pull up here the... Um, the grades for PFFs running grades and look at some of the guys who are the top running backs graded in the league last year. You have Melvin Gordon, who was not um, a first round pick. Was he, was he a second round pick? I think he was a second round pick. He was a second round pick. Yeah. 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 I'll just, uh, no, actually he was a first round pick. Okay. So Melvin Gordon was a first round pick. Okay. Then you have Nick Chubb after him, who was a second round pick. You have, um, Saquon Barkley was one of the tops. Kareem Hunt's a third rounder. Elvin Kamara's a third rounder. Uh, Lamar Miller is a guy that uh, Houston signed, I think. He was a veteran. He signed, or they've had him for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. that's right. Lamar Miller played for the Dolphins, and it was a fourth-round pick, and is still uh, one of the better you running backs. He's bucking, bucking the trend. You could definitely find them. Philip Lindsay is a guy that came out of absolutely nowhere. So it's like you have a mixed bag of guys who are... Um, first round picks and really talented second round picks, guys who came out of nowhere. If it was me, I would be saying, okay, thanks, Delvin, and draft a running back in next year's second round and have him be the next Delvin Cook. <laughs> I mean, that's that's yeah. the way I would look at it. So, uh, all right. Okay, um, thank you. Yes, running backs. I appreciate Always that. an interesting conversation I I in now. the um, lead up to the Delvin Cook is going to hold out next summer. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, let's take a break here, Judd, and we'll return and let's talk a little bit more about what we're looking for on Friday night preseason game. Um, the Vikings will travel tomorrow down. 2.45 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download here. Quick update on your twins there. Bottom of the seventh right now. One out, one on. They're still down 7-3, to three, though, after Martin Perez's not great opening to the game, giving up three in the first, three in the third, and then one in the sixth as he gives up seven in his six innings of work through 102 pitches today. Cole Stewart now out on the mound for the Twins. Not a great day, not a great start to the game for the Twins so far, but they scored three in the sixth, so maybe there's a comeback at hand for them this afternoon. You can join me and Dan Tehar this Saturday for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and FC Dallas pregame at 6.30 with the kick at 7 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, one final segment this hour of Purple Daily. Another hour coming up next. Phil Mackey's going to pop in. We'll have some more fun with over-unders with the Vikings where we basically uh, do it ping-pong style, back and forth, over-unders. We did some earlier today. If you missed any of the show, iTunes, you can download for free at Purple Daily every day. All right, Zolged. Um, yep. So Friday night, it's a preseason game. Maybe you've heard. Maybe I've mentioned it once or twice. And uh, I wrote about the unofficial depth chart. I did the breakdown of every single position. Vent line, come uh, on. The post-game vent line that's right here on uh, the station. And I'm sure that you will be able to hear that as well on uh, the Purple Daily feed or wherever the hell we put that thing in the podcast feed. So we, we have got you absolutely covered more than we ever should. More should, than should be illegally allowed to talk about preseason football, but we're going to. So what is your biggest question, I guess, Judd, that uh, you want me to answer after that preseason game? All right. Question one. What is this with, with the the offense definitely being different and Kirk in the uh, in the springtime admitting that this offense was not, he's not quite as familiar as we all assumed with it. What do you think come Friday night and throughout the course of the exhibition games they're going to show us? Because teams don't like to tip their hands too much, but there are definitely things to work on. So just from what you've seen in practice and your best guesses from your experience watching preseason games, what do you think we do see or what can we watch for that fans can take something away from? I think I can answer that. Um, So in practice, when people are allowed to film, that's when they show the basic install stuff. 
So you have your most basic package. You've got your fullback in there, your tight end. You're in an I formation, and then you know you get the two outside receivers. You run a play or something like that, and then somebody um, in the stands videotapes it and tweets it out, and a bunch of people retweet it or something, right? Like, yes. and they go, "Look at this creativity or whatever." For, but it's basic install. Sure. So they're putting in the route combinations that they're going to use, and then. It gets really complicated where they start to put in all the other stuff, all the um, the nuances to each play. My guess is they run the base stuff that they're going to run with this offense. So what you're going to see is whoever's in the backfield, whether it's Amir Abdullah, Alexander Madison, Mike Boone, or if we see Delvin Cook on Friday night, you'll see the zone runs. So you get a good look at that running scheme. That's when they actually... You know, Alex Boone is coming on on Thursday. When they decided that Alex Boone wasn't going to work out for 2017 was when they started running those basic outside zone plays, and he just wasn't a fit for that. He was brought in to be a gap and power guy. And so he's looked at as kind of like a bust signing, but you know, part of it is you change schemes. You yeah. signed him for one thing, and then you switched, and he wasn't a fit for that. So they ended up going with Nick Easton, who did a really good job with the zone scheme. Um, but we'll, we'll see that from the running game. From the passing game, it's probably going to be a couple of play actions, I would guess. Maybe a couple of shot plays, throws down the field. I'm sure they want Kirk in a couple of situations on a drive or two and just to you know, get, you know, get a couple of completions under his belt. I think that's about all we're going to see. When the backups come in and Sean Mannion comes in, then they probably will throw out a few more things because they really want to figure out where they stand with Mannion, Sloter, and Jake Browning. Which QB comes in third? I know that's a geeky question, mm. but I've got to ask it because I'm I'm really afraid my guy Sloter is losing his handle on things here. You know, there was a drill the other day. And they paid Browning a little bit too, which I always know. influences things. There was a drill the other day oh, where they were running some reps, eleven on elevens, and Sloter took one, and Browning took like seven, or somewhere in that range. And a couple of us out there at practice looked at each other and said. The Jake Browning era may have just begun. We'll see. We'll but they see. They did pay him a little bit too, so yep. this makes this this is not um, this would not be shocking if this happens. Not entirely, and not by the performances either. Sloter's right. been a little better recently, but he just hasn't even gotten a lot of time, which kind of tells you that I think they're falling out of love. But if he comes in as the third quarterback and plays well, then maybe he will get some second team reps at some point. That's where things, the second and third teams, are going to be more interesting to watch in this game. And uh, in terms of your big takeaways, there probably won't be anything to take away from the first team offense. If the first team offense goes out there for two drives and goes three and out each time, it's like, okay, well, go get them in practice next day. You know, I mean, who cares? Um, but if the second offense doesn't run well, you might be a little concerned about it was the backup offensive line good enough? Were those receivers that we've talked about good enough? Was Sean Mannion good enough? I think what you want to walk away from the preseason even with is feeling like whoever the backup quarterback is could come in and, and win a couple games if he has to and feel like if Stephon Diggs has to miss two games or Adam Thielen has to miss two games that somebody could play a receiver in their place. Because right now... Chad Beebe is not a guy who you could say could just take the position of Stephon Diggs. And he's the third guy right now, right? Be- yeah, he is definitely number three, but just because of his shape. I mean, the guy's five foot nine, maybe five ten, and he's a slot receiver. Gotta stay only. healthy. He's yes, and he does have to stay. So what's Treadwell's role? Because in the preseason. Well, no, I mean, it just, but it sounds like he's going to make the team probably. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't but know. Is he going to slot in as a special teams guy who can who? If all hell breaks loose, can be put on the field, but they don't want to put him on the field. Is that basically how things are shaping up? I, um, I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I really. This is another thing to watch. But it's an interesting one. Is is he going to get second team? Is he going to get third team with the preseason? I think he'll get second team, but I don't know. And, and will somebody rise to the challenge? Because this is where the receivers really have their chance. Because corners are trying to make the team two for the other team, and it's a lot of man-to-man. Just go out there, beat your guy, show that you can play. And uh, they know exactly what they have with Laquan Treadwell. That's the bar. Can somebody clear it? It's not a high bar. Right. But that's my point about him uh, potentially making the 53 is they know what they have. And and if all hell breaks loose and and you have to pull the fire alarm, is he that guy where they're like, well, at least we know he can play. He might not be very good. I've... uh, 
I've if got, that makes sense, as opposed to keeping a project on the 53, trying to play him, and it's just a disaster. He can't even run a route. I've got him on it right now, I think. My original 53 did not have him on it. If I were to do it again, I probably would, as the number five or number six, and he'll play special teams. That's probably where he's at right now. But that's another thing to watch, for sure. If you're, if you're talking about what am I trying to take away yeah. from this first preseason game, just when people play. Like Mike Zimmer today said um, that they've pretty much laid out their plans for how many snaps they want, how many drives they want from each player, and that tells us if you're basically trying to confirm the things that you've seen in practice by how they use guys. So let's say I think, and this hasn't been entirely true, but let's say I think B.C. Johnson has been really good. Well, let's see if they play B.C. Johnson with the first team at all, or if they give him mostly second team reps, because then you've got a really good chance to make it. I think Jeff Bidette is a guy to watch who could have that opportunity to be on the second team. But I don't know that they feel that way just by the unofficial depth chart for sure, and just by practice reps. Sometimes they surprise you in the preseason game and reward someone that they think has been great, but maybe you didn't realize because you're trying to watch 22 players on every rep. Sure. So I'm excited. Well, you should be excited. I'm excited, yeah. This, so is, this is great. We go what? Saints on Friday, two preseason home games, correct? Yeah. And then four, which, which is, by the way, the ideal schedule. Oh, yeah. You always want four not to be in your stadium. Yep. And uh, one of them is a noon game. So that'll be a thing. That's didn't we have one of those last year? Uh, you know what? We had one the year. I know that that the game that they played against the Chargers right before Teddy got yes. hurt in the fateful practice was a noon Sunday start on national TV. But yeah, so so they go at Saints, home to Seattle, home to Arizona at noon on Saturday the twenty fourth of August. That, that actually, so that's the key, and that's that is, good. And that I'm is excited the preseason about that one. game, and that is the preseason game of preseason games. And then, but we get to see Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury in that one. And then August 29th, they go back to your old stomping grounds. I won't at be, Buffalo. I won't be Are going you with them. Back home? I will not be going your with parents them. Parents would love to see. You, I'm sure. I'm sure they you would. Stay with them. I'm not going. Why, I'm why not going for the fourth preseason game. Why won't you go to Buffalo? Because it's the fourth preseason game. But if anyone wants to get me some Duff's wings and send them, please, please send them. Have you found any wings or pizza in this godforsaken town of Minneapolis-St. Paul that you like so much? This has become a conversation quite a bit, Judd, out on the practice fields when we are well, watching warm-up drills. You're especially harsh. Um, I am especially harsh, uh, but I also have just very high standards, Judd. Yes. And I would say this. I have found pizzas that have some elements of things I like. Like, I'll give you an example. I like wood-fire pizzas. I actually like probably every kind of pizza, but Woodfire's good, and there was one particular place that I went that I thought was okay. okay. I thought it could have been a little better, but at the Woodfire style I enjoyed. There was one that I tried recently that um, had a really flavorful sauce, and I thought, oh, good job. But the problem was there was a fingernail worth of cheese on the thing. It's like, give me some cheese, man. So that was it, though? That was the only problem? Um, but yeah, like that, that could be tweaked. You should yeah, submit a suggestion card. I needed a thicker a thicker crust, right, but a I'm little more if, cheese. If they're that close, you yes. should submit a suggestion. Yes. You yep. should tell them, my, my pizza place right down the street, which is fantastic. I love it. But I keep telling them, get a damn TV in here. They're like, the owner will never allow a TV. I said, well, I just want a small TV in the corner. I can watch the Twins. Why would you not and want a TV? Because Culver's has they're TVs. They're harboring a family atmosphere, so families can talk. I don't want families to talk. I want to watch the TV. You just want to have it in the corner but to I see it. But, but, but my point, wow. my point is, I've told them a bunch of times: put a TV in wow. here. I'll like your place more. You should tell them put more cheese on this pizza. You're close yeah, to being. You're, you're close. close to being good. Thicker crust as well. All right. Anyway, so we've gone too long here, Judd. Uh, thanks for your time, Phil Mackey's going to pop in here. We're going to. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.